An ongoing trade war with China, difficult weather conditions, African swine fever. Taken together, they amount to a complex farm sector financial situation and a murky economic outlook heading into 2020. Headlines from farm publications and major newspapers alike suggest that farmers face financial stresses not seen for many years, but do the major indicators suggest an echo of the dreaded 1980s? Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. In this episode, we dig into the relevant financial and economic indicators and data points to see what those trends suggest for the road ahead as 2019 draws to a close. Ani Kachova is an associate professor and the Farm Income Enhancement Chair at The Ohio State University's Department of Agricultural, Environmental, and Development Economics. In 2019, U.S. net farm income and net cash income are forecast to increase for a third consecutive year. But, as Dr. Kachova discusses in this episode, this growth is mainly driven by higher government payments. Net cash income projected at $112.6 billion, net farm income at $88 billion this year, crop receipts expected to decline, animal product receipts expected to remain relatively flat, and modest growth is seen in land values with cash rents up 1% to 2% for the U.S. while remaining stagnant after adjusting for inflation. What does that all say? Well, while there's some financial stress, ag loan delinquency rates and bankruptcy rates have remained at historic lows. Here's Feedstuff's policy editor, Jackie Fatko. Well, I am here with Ani Kachova, and she is with Ohio State and does a lot of research on uh, farm income and government payments and cash rents and uh, just a little bit of insight on the income, uh, obviously down in 2019. And so we're going to talk with her a little bit about that. Ani, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thanks a lot. I'm glad to be here. Uh, why don't you just tell me a little bit about your research that you do here at Ohio State and some of the main indicators that you've been watching this year. So a lot of the research that we do is on farm income and assets for agriculture. We also look at farmland markets, including um, cropland values and cash rent, as well as the CAUV values. And finally, we look at farm financial stress, uh, mostly expressed in uh, delinquency and bankruptcy rates. So maybe highlight some of the things that you have seen in 2019 and also maybe what you're looking forward to in, 2019, uh, in 2020 uh, when it comes to farm income and what, what people across the country might be expecting. So the official USDA forecast for farm incomes for 2019 is a uh, increase in farm incomes for this year, a slight increase of, of about 5%. Um, so one of the interesting things that is happening this year is because of the trade wars, uh, we see a reduction in the crop receipts for 2019, and that would mostly be compensated by increases in direct government payments as well as uh, um, the other farm-related income, which is crop insurance payment and prevented uh, uh, planting, which uh, occurred a lot uh, in Ohio due to the wet spring that we had. And so while we are expecting to see an increase in farm incomes for a third year in a row, these are still very modest increases in, in farm incomes. And again, the, the direction where they're coming from is mostly from direct government payments and other farm related income as opposed to receipts. 
you know, looking forward to 2020, we didn't know what kind of government payments we would get in 2019 when it comes to the trade aid and some of those market facilitation payments. Obviously, those were a lifeline. Uh, I, I do understand that we might be seeing that that second tranche of the 2019 farm payments uh, for the market facilitation payments here in the next couple of weeks, maybe even here in November or early December. Yet, what happens if we don't get that third tranche in 2020? And how do you, how should farmers plan moving forward if they're just based off of that safety net that they thought they were going to have in the farm bill and not necessarily some of this ad hoc assistance that's come with these trade aid payments? Yeah, that's a very good question. Again, because, um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty going in the future and we, we just don't know what will happen. Uh, I mean, hopefully we're expecting to see a resolution to the trade wars and um, opening up of exports. That would be perhaps the best possible way to move forward. Uh, however, um, there's still a lot of uncertainty. And also, as far as farm incomes go, it's also important which year the payments are being paid into in order to kind of accurately estimate farm income. So again, there's uh, a lot of uncertainty and it's very hard to prepare for the future. Kind of along with some of that uncertainty, we've, we have seen an increase in some of the farmer uh, delinquencies, some of the farmer bankruptcies. Uh, we're almost to a point where we've maybe thinned out some of the most troubled, uh, those those farms who are more troubled. Are, are we ready to plateau or are we going to continue to see numbers increase in the number of farm bankruptcies? We also saw some changes in some of the bankruptcy code for farmers when it comes to who can qualify. Does that actually increase how many people are able to qualify now and, and provide an increase in the actual number because more farmers are able to qualify for some of that Chapter 12 bankruptcy? Yeah, so that's right. So with the with the new act, uh, what we're seeing is that the debt limit increased from 4.4 million in debt to 10 million in debt. So that would inevitably qualify more farmers to uh, be able to qualify. However, just looking at that amount of debt uh, between 4.4 million and 10 million, there aren't too many farmers in that category. I think we're estimating that to be about 1.5% of the farms or less than that. So so again, that would affect very, very few farmers, additional farmers that would be willing, you know, able to, to qualify. So again, we're seeing relatively stable trends. I mean, we still do see small optics of bankruptcy and delinquency rates, but they're still near historic lows. So we're looking at ag loan delinquency rates of 2.05% uh, and uh, bankruptcy being about uh, 2 um, chapter 12 filings per 10,000 farms. So again, they are uh, kind of stable with just very small upticks recently. Um, and I would think that them being lagging indicators of financial stress, what's important is um, if farm incomes stabilize and they go up, we would perhaps see improvements in those uh, categories. And if farm incomes take a turn for the worse, we would probably see more financial stress. Hi. When the, when we look at some of the loan interest rates and some of the just overall uh, economic issues that are going on, uh, how do you see that impacting farmers? Uh, do we see a, an increased amount of some of the loans that farmers are taking out because rates are are maybe going down? Mm -hmm. uh, could we see more? Uh, you know, where are some of the 
overall economic things and how could they impact farmers when it comes to their loans and, and what kind of money they might be trying to, to take out right now? Yes, so um, the low interest rates are certainly helping with uh, the ability to get more loans and particularly during the last six years where uh, the agricultural downturn happened, a lot of farmers were increasing particularly um, their operating loans, kind of trying to get through the year and the low interest rates did help. However, what's working against is also the low incomes and the tightening of the credit conditions and the more pessimistic um, kind of outlook from lenders uh, that that kind of placed additional restrictions on the demand for loans. So I think going forward, again, farm incomes are very, very important. Uh, the low interest rate environment definitely has helped uh, in, in, in terms of farmers also being able to repay the loans and not cause any, uh, you know, bigger financial crisis. Kind of switching gears a little bit and farmland, uh, as you see the farmland values across the country and also cash rents, uh, what are some trends that you're seeing nationally and then also regionally? Are there certain regions who are able to continue to hold land values or increase land values? Have we seen some corrections? Where, where have we seen things and where do you expect things going when it comes to farmland values? Yeah, so this was a concerning trend again over the last um, uh, six years. And as farming because they're coming down, it's always uh, land values kind of have a hard time as well. Um, so we we have seen reduction in, in land values um, uh, in, in the U.S., uh, say, you know, uh, 2016. Uh, and so Ohio also flattened out for a while. Um, so we do see now a modest uh, increases uh, in the rate of like about 1.3-1.5%. So this is again below the rate of inflation. So while it's positive news that they're increasing, they're not increasing by a lot. And uh, in terms of cash rents, uh, the one thing that we have seen that's very unique in Ohio is cash rents were holding stable or slightly increasing, whereas in the U.S. they came down a few years back. And so again, uh, we would attribute this to the sticky cash rent here in Ohio, farmers do not want to lose control over the land that they have access to, and that kind of contributed to these uh, strong uh, cash cash rents um, uh, in the last few years. Uh, but again, we're looking at very modest increases, both in terms of uh, cash rents and land values in the U.S. and in Ohio. And Ohio, again, has a little bit stronger or better, better outlook as opposed to other Midwest states uh, that have not seen as much increases or they have seen much larger declines in land values over the last um, uh, few years. So Ohio was more stable in general. Very good. Uh, Ani, anything else that, that maybe I didn't ask, but you feel is an important part of this conversation about farm income and some of the things that farmers are facing today? I would say that uh, I think the biggest thing uh, going forward is the uncertainty uh, with regards to, uh, you know, farm policy and uh, the trade negotiations. I think this is on everyone's mind. And um, we are in a very... uh, 
kind of unique case where before we were expecting worse times and more worse times, whereas now seeing three years of increasing farm incomes, we're wondering, is that a new trend or or maybe the economy is going to take turns for the worse again? And so we're staying in this kind of more temporary situation with Band-Aids, uh, payments and uh, coming in. So again, there's a lot of uncertainty and it's uh, going forward to be very important to plan well. Very good. Well, thank you, Ani Kachova, um, Associate Professor at Ohio State University, and some great work she does on farm income and all the, all the great work she does. So thanks so much for taking the time today, Ani. For the latest reporting on farm sector finances and related policy issues, you can read Jackie's work in the pages of Feedstuffs and in our Feedstuffs Daily e-newsletter. And thanks to Professor Ani Kachova at The Ohio State University for her insights into what's happening at the farm level and how that affects everyone throughout the agribusiness value chain. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs In Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, or you can always listen on our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.